Hi, welcome to podcast number five with me, Richard, and me, Paul. That's right, it's Richard and Paul, a Richard and Paul production since 2017. That's contractual. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to be chatting about all sorts of different things. First of all, though, the usual thing that us Brits talk about, the weather. Mm. It's been gloomy and grey with very little sunlight. We've had a few glimpses of sun, but not enough to dry up the damp, sodden ground. It's very wet, isn't it? Very wet. It's just been drenched in moisture, and apparently we've had a tropical storm hanging around, a low-pressure tropical storm. We have a barometer, don't we, from Dad, Um, and that has been really at its lowest level for a couple of days now. I think it's slightly lifted today a bit, but it's really quite low still. We've got two. We've got a barometer, a traditional one that Paul just said about, which was his dad's. Which you tap. Which I love because my grandma had a barometer and I used to absolutely adore tapping it. I didn't know what was going on, but I just used to like tapping it, you know. I don't know if dad was... I think dad was given it by somebody by a, a captain on a boat i think i'm sure or ma- maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm completely wrong but i'm sure marco actually who used to work on the boats between weymouth and guernsey i'm sure marco bought that for him in fact it's coming back i know where he bought it now gosh that goes back and we've also got an electronic one as well a sort of you know electronic weather station which funnily enough your mum and dad bought for us didn't they yeah they did um from i think it was a science museum thing wasn't it a magazine was it or i don't know where they got it from but mm. um and it's got one of those outdoor sensors which you sort of trail a, a wire out of a window and it picks up the outdoor temperature as well so you can see at a glance um, what the temperature is outdoors which is I think really useful if you want to know whether it's you know really cold or really hot in comparison to the indoors Mm, mm. which is great but yeah it has been gloomy but hey it is November but I have to say that it is one of the wettest Novembers I've known in a while yeah yeah there hasn't been that crispness in the air that we get at this time of year. Um, it's just been too damp for that. I did think when I was going down to Cranley yesterday, I got to Clapham Junction and it was glorious sunshine. And I just thought, fantastic, it's going to be such a lovely day. And then by the time I got to Guildford, it was raining and it sort of stayed damp and drizzly for... In fact, even when I walked in the door last night, it was still damp and drizzly outside. Well, that's low pressure for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, with low pressure in charge, you get you get changeable weather. Mm. You know, mm. and especially with a sort of ex-tropical storm dumping its excess moisture all over us. Moist. So where's that tropical storm come from? From the then? Atlantic. Where's it tropical in the... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't... Well, I don't know. South America? It must have come from South America or South Africa, surely. And then that sort of pulled um, warm air up from the continent. Mm. 
Mm. So it's quite mild at the moment. It's not particularly cold, like you just said. It's not not frosty. But I'm sure it will be quite soon. I believe the temperature is going to drop. Well, I've just looked at the temperature for Sunday onwards, and it's sort of nighttime hovering minus one zero one over about five days, and then it warms up again, and then it hovers around zero again. So it's important for us to look at those things because we need to turn water off at the allotment to save on burst pipes. So mm. yeah, there oh, we are. There well. we are. Well, we are coming into this season where, you know, people hunker down in their houses and entertain themselves with various things and eat too much. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah. And and very often very sort of starchy, carb-rich foods as well. Like Christmas puddings. Like Christmas puddings, yeah. Which we've just made. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that video on YouTube... Go and have a look because it's really good. And apparently one of our viewers um, sent the recipe to a relative in Miami and they're making them for Thanksgiving. Oh, and um, we hope you all had a great Thanksgiving as well mm. across the pond, so to speak. And um, that was yesterday by the time you hear this. Yes, yeah. that's right. And uh, yes, yeah, so our you know, Paul's family recipe is being made in Miami. It's quite, it's quite extraordinary, really, when mm. you think you can, you can do something and upload it, and then it it can travel halfway. Well, not quite halfway around the world. If it had gone to Hawaii, maybe maybe it would be halfway. But yeah, as it's amazing, it's amazing, and, and other people have made it as well, haven't they? Yeah, various people have. It's really great. Successfully Thank you so much. as well. Well, the one thing we were worried about, because we make them in cups, is whether they'd actually turn out of the cups, because cups are, well, slightly different shape to a pudding. Mm. They haven't got as much of a, a base. Mm. Mm. So we thought they might stick, but they didn't. They were great, and they were very successful and very, very tasty. And in fact, when we had one as soon as they had been cooked, well, steamed, yeah. And then the others we let cool, as we said in the video, and I took them out of the, the cups, the teacups, uh, when they were cold, and they turned out really, really well. And they're now in a little uh, Tupperware-style container with a little bit of rum over each of them, and they'll they'll be topped up over the coming weeks. And the thing is about, you know, Christmas puddings and Christmas cake and stuff like that, it lasts for a very long time because it's packed full of sugar and usually alcohol. And they both act as a preservative, which is great. And of course, there's a lot of dried fruit in there. So that, that fruit acts as a preservative as well. Oh, does it? Mm, mm. When you think dried fruit itself can, can last for quite a while. Yeah, but it's been reconstituted with liquid. Yeah, and then steamed and... Yeah. And with egg. Yeah, there is egg in it, though if you're vegan, there is a, a suggestion of how you can replace that egg. But once egg's cooked and it's incorporated with other ingredients, it lasts quite a long time, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. particularly in the, I mean, it's such a tiny well, quantity within the, the whole lot of ingredients. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's the sugar and the alcohol that preserves it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It is. Lovely. How lovely. 
So anyway, talking about hunkering down and entertaining yourself and doing all those things in winter that, you know, we like to do and put on weight as well. Mm. Um, old films. We wanted to talk about old films, but specifically one old film that we watched the other day. Mm. Had you seen it before? You had, hadn't you? Yeah, of course. You see, it was a film that I had not seen before. And it really, I found it incredibly informative and quite emotional as well. It's called A Taste of Honey and set in the late 1950s. I think it's set in the early 60s. 60s, In Manchester. Yeah, it's certainly set in and around Manchester. It was filmed um, in in various northern locations. It's based on the play by Sheila Delaney. Delaney, yeah, yeah. And it stars Rita Tushingham, yeah, as Joe, the um, protagonist. Yeah. And yeah, if you've not seen it, and Dora Bryan, Dora Bryan as the mother. And various other cast members, a few other cast members. But it, it's a really interesting film for several reasons, isn't it, Paul? It tells of a time which I think has has largely gone in the way that we see it in the film. The, it's a time of social change. It's a time of social injustice. And many of the buildings that we see are are still subject to sort of being demolished and there hasn't been any huge regeneration in the area at the time of the film and it really crosses a whole genre of social issues and indeed a lot of places have been demolished Mm. because there are a lot of slum sites that are flattened i mean i i presume it would be post-war in terms of possibly bomb sites i'm not sure how badly manchester was bombed i think it was um but you know there's just huge areas where you know the canal is completely run down there are children playing on wasteland you know i guess it there are a lot of bomb sites there i, I think guess. there are a lot of bomb sites but there were also an awful lot of old buildings that were effectively knocked just down. knocked down for yeah. safety yeah, because they were unsafe. Because yeah, they yeah. were unsafe. Yeah. So you, you have these, this wasteland of, of various different areas which are just tenement buildings or, or um, big factories, old factories that had been knocked down and, and the land has not been cleared yet. And it's a play that I read when I was doing my O-levels um, because it was actually on the coursework for the O-levels. But this is something else different between your school and our school. We never saw the we never saw the film, but you saw the film when you were studying it, didn't you? Well, I think the film was on TV and we were told to watch it. Right. Okay. I think it was on Channel 4. And I think we were told to watch it as part of our drama course. And yeah. we discussed it in mm. drama. Mm. But I think I think the reasons that we're talking about it now um, weren't known to us as kids at the time. It Mm. was like, oh, it's just an old film. 
who yeah. cares, you know. Yeah. And actually, because there were still parts of the North that were kind of still a little bit like that, massive regeneration hadn't fully taken place in a lot of those cities by mm. then. Mm. I was still in the process. I mean, I remember Manchester... Um, are still looking quite run down in places. You know, the the newest part of it was the Arndale Centre, mm. you know, which was considered modern, but it, it wasn't that modern then. But, you know, I don't know. It's, um, I, I didn't see the importance of it as a teenager. I, th- I think the there's such a time of change in the piece so Joe, who, as we Richard said, is Rita Tushingham, is the the protagonist whose mother is sort of quite dysfunctional in her way, and the two of them have quite a, a quite a nomadic lifestyle, where they're moving from one bedsit to another bedsit, never fully paying the rent, and therefore having to to move on, and the mother is also having. A number of relationships with different men in the hope that one of them is going to be right and perfect for her and we sort of pick up the story just as she's about to leave her her daughter who is just leaving school um, for another man and she goes and lives with another man in his house with a nice car hoping that everything is going to get better but let's not give away too much of the story in case people haven't seen it. <laughs> but there's really it's also about it, it's how Jove begins to start her life as a an adult, really, and the relationships that she develops. And she develops two very important relationships during the, the brief period of the film. And um then her mother sort of comes back and it's about the interaction between different different family members and different personalities and is blood thicker than water is friendship as as strong as blood and yeah it's uh and always there's children in the background isn't there yep and there's always a background um a back background track of children singing traditional playground songs Mm, mm. and also, for me, the most interesting part of it is, is there is a black character and there is also a gay character. Mm. Now, bear in mind, being gay was illegal yeah. at this time. So to, to be openly gay was to risk being arrested, yep. persecuted, jailed, jailed, all of those things. Um, so uh, we urge you to, to, to watch the film. It's really, really great piece of, um, film and it's black and white as well, which just adds to the atmosphere of the industrial town of Manchester, um, you know, with the chimneys and the smog and the dark, dirty buildings, you know, it's just a really good film watch it one thing that did strike me when we were watching it was the manchester ship canal because mum had her operation in february in salford in the salford in a hospital in salford and we would cross the manchester ship canal to go and see mum on a daily basis 
and there was this particular bridge that we would cross and i i was fascinated by this bridge and this bridge is in the film mm. but it's operational in the film mm. and um it's quite 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 fascinating i think they opened up the manchester ship canal several years ago and they were hoping for cruises from central manchester but i'm not quite sure what's happened it, it's I think it's still a working canal, but not in the way that they had hoped for the regeneration it was getting. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, sticking with traditions and family themes, we've been thinking about Christmas. I know. Richard <laughs> and Paul thinking about Christmas. How amazing. Because we don't do Christmas. We don't really celebrate it. We used to. But it was costing a lot of money that we don't really have. And frankly, it used to put us under quite a bit of pressure to go out and see mm. people mm. and go to parties and things like that. And to be absolutely honest with you, we are not really party people. No. We no, don't enjoy we don't enjoy big gatherings. We we quite like intimate small gatherings yeah. of maybe five or six people, you know, over dinner. That's lovely. But big parties with twenty plus, no, we're not interested in that. You can't hear anything, you can't talk to anybody. It gets to eleven o'clock and I just think I want a cup of tea and go to bed now, really. What eleven um, o'clock? Well, at a party pool. Oh, at a party, yeah. You know. Um, so I just don't see the point. Plus, you know, you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. If you're invited to, say, go to dinner in town, i.e. London, mm -hmm. first of all, you've got to think about maybe getting a cab there because, you know, maybe you've tarted yourself up and you don't want to get the tube. So a cab into town is 30, 40 quid. Then... Going to dinner, that's going to cost you at least 20 quid to eat something, plus drinks, which are like £6 a pop. Mm. So that's sort of 40 quid. And then a taxi back, that's going to be another 40 quid. So before you know it, you spent 150, 200, 200 quid, quid easily. on one night out that you might not actually enjoy. You know, and I, I just don't see the point in that now. I really don't. And I, it doesn't matter on the what, what the occasion is. I don't see the point in doing that. It's interesting you mentioned that because when I was coming back on the bus yesterday or a few days ago, there was this um, two young girls talking about the party that they were going to. They were going to dinner with a couple of people meeting well in fact there was eight people they were meeting up with them in a restaurant in Ealing Broadway it was to celebrate a bit early the marriage of somebody who was getting married this coming Saturday and um, they were just saying that they didn't really have the money to go they didn't really have the inclination to go but they just felt that they had to go because of the peer pressure that they were under or that's that's the impression I got and it is, it's just very, very costly. Very costly. You see, I think that's the benefit of age. Because you learn over time how to say no. Mm. You know, and it's, you've got to allow other people to take responsibility for how they feel if you say no to somebody. Mm. You mustn't mm. feel guilty about it. 
if you've got your reasons, you say, no, I can't do it, or I don't want to do it, or I'm, I'm unable to, you know, why feel guilty? I prefer to say no to things now. I really do. Unless it's within my comfort zone. Yeah, I was going to say. If because for just being sociable, I don't really want to come out of my comfort zone. I'd rather stay in my comfort zone because I want to have a nice time. Do you know what I mean? If I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone just to be sociable, then I'm not going to feel comfortable. I'm going to feel anxious. I'm not going to enjoy myself. Simple. However, sometimes it's nice to push yourself out of that. I mean, well, we, we went to something the other day and well, a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't particularly looking forward to it. And I said to Richard, oh, I, I wish we hadn't said that um, we would go. And actually, I had a really, really good evening. Yeah, but it was local. Yeah. It was well within walking distance. Yeah. We knew all the people. Yeah. There were only a few people. So it fits the criteria of something that you will probably enjoy. Mm. Rather than a huge dinner party with people you don't know, food that you're probably not going to enjoy, and spending lots of money. No, we don't have money to spend like that. I think that's a, another thing for us because we we eat quite well um, because we we eat what we like and we're pretty good cooks and we've been out for several meals in the in the past and even now occasionally and it's sort of like actually I could have done better at home and some people say to us oh this food is is really good at this place you're going to really enjoy it. And then you go along and you just think, actually, you know what? I could have done better at home and I wouldn't have had to spend so much money. So, yeah, cook at home. And also, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you're not actually totally, totally aware of where that food's come from, Mm. whether it really is organic, if they say it is. And, you know, you just don't have that provenance, you know, whereas you grow it yourself you know exactly what's happened to it and you know the health benefits, you know. And often these places can be quite cavernous, can't they? And the noise of other people chatting and laughing and it's just, it just gets to me now. It just gets to me. Well, it's just so distracting and you're just straining to hear what the person next to you is saying to you. Mm. And I just nod half the time. Yeah. I just go, yeah, yeah, I think I'm meant to be saying yeah or no. I just don't know. Uh, Because it really, oh, no. Not my scene at all. At all. But anyway, lots of people do enjoy going out. And lots of people enjoy a good drink. Um, You know, if you are heading out during the festive season, just drink responsibly. Mm. You know, don't go hell for leather. You'll spend a fortune and you'll make yourself really sick. I've done it so many times, mm. drunk too much because I'm out, because I want to make myself feel more relaxed, end up drinking too much. Blech. Hate that. Hate that. It's awful, awful feeling. And also be wary of your own personal possessions and your, your personal space. So, and safety. Yeah. The other day I um, I handed somebody their phone because they had put their phone on a, a chair behind them um, or at the side of them, and then they turned to speak to somebody else. 
and the I wasn't quite sure whether it was their phone or whether it was somebody else's phone, but it turned out to be their phone. So do be careful of what you do with your phones, with your credit cards. And your drink. And your drink, yeah. Yeah, you don't want a spiked drink. No, no. Never leave not. your drink unattended, really. But let's move on. <laughs> um, we were having a thing about Christmas and we were looking at a website uh, which talks about lots of different traditions around Europe. And I was quite fascinated. The, even though we don't celebrate, it still fascinates me what people do to celebrate Christmas. Um, because there are some really, really odd things. Um, there's a website that we found called... What's it called? Oh, hold on a moment. Was it? Bear with, bear Added with. Extras or something? No, holidayextras.co.uk. Holiday and it goes through... Um, Actually, it's not just Europe, because they cover South yeah, Africa South as Africa well. and other places. Um, but they go through the, the various traditions. There's um, some of the surprising ones. I'm not going to read them all, but you can go and find them yourself. One of the surprising ones that I found funny was Japan. I mean, they don't really celebrate Christmas, but apparently there was a marketing campaign in the 70s from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um a sort of Kentucky for Christmas campaign. And it sort of sparked off a new tradition where people head out on Christmas Eve and go to KFC <laughs> to have chicken, to have fried chicken. I can't think of anything worse. The, in fact, the smell of places oh, like that just makes me want to vomit. Yeah, Kentucky fried rat. But what was Iceland? Now, Iceland have got the Yule Cat I love this one. Which apparently is the, the sort of story about a giant cat. And um, I think if you don't work hard, it eats you or something. I don't know. The Yule Cat. The one I really like is Norway. Uh, not Norway, Ukraine. Where they decorate the trees with cobwebs. Love Cobwe that. Cobweb-like decorations. And it's based on an old story about a poor widow who couldn't afford Christmas and the spiders took pity on her. And in the morning when the kids come down, the spiders have decorated the tree with sparkling cobwebs. How I lovely. love that. I love, I love that it. too. I think that's great. We should do that. I did know about that one. I'm not sure why. It's reminding me of the, the cobbler and the elves story as well. The not shoemaker. The shoemaker. shoemaker. The shoemaker. elves and the shoemaker. Yeah. I used to love the Ladybird book of that. Yes, it I had, had that Gorgeous as well. illustrations. The Ladybird books had lovely illustrations. They're classics now. Um they're South Africa, they have fried caterpillars at Christmas. How lovely. <laughs> and in Norway it's kind of a little bit like Halloween in Norway. You have to hide your broom in case the witches nick it. And fly off. How? Yeah. In Sweden, apparently, they watch Donald Duck on Christmas really? Day at three o'clock. Really? Yeah, it's a tradition since the 50s. And the one that really gets me is the poop log in Catalonia. <laughs> the Catalonian poop log. I'm not sure these are real. I think they are. They basically make a log with legs and a face. And... They call it the poop log 
And then they fill it with sweets. And then on Christmas Day, they hit it like fuck and shit out all the sweets. So it's like that. And they, they say, poop plog, poop plog, shit out all your sweets, basically. <laughs> it's like a piñata. It's like a piñata, but it's a Made shit. Made of wood. It's a big shit. Yes, I think we've got that, Richard. Yeah. Thank you very much. I just wanted to say shit. I don't want you to say it anymore. Thank you. But you can say it's actually shit. There we are. Now, what's that one? I like that what's one. That's, that one? The, that's, the that's the goat. That's the goat. The goat but in that's... Sweden. Yeah, but I mean, that's Christmassy. Yeah, but that's such a... It's there's a really cute graphic of the Yule yeah, goat. Yeah, I'm not going to read all that story. It's too long. What did you Have do? Have a look. Have a look at holidayextras.co.uk. They've got a page on Christmas traditions. It's quite fun. And they're not paying us for... for no, no, um, no, 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 they're but not. But if they'd like to, then then please get in touch. Well, they yeah. look pretty cheap to me. So what are your traditions? Do you have anything you specifically do at Christmas that's a bit strange? We never had anything strange. We just did the usual thing that, that kids in Britain do, like putting a mince pie out for Santa Claus and a carrot for the reindeer and a glass of sherry. Mm. You we know, there was nothing... Port. Well, any alcohol. But apparently these days they don't do that. No? No, because Santa's got to drive. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> it's true. They don't do that now. And actually, I think that's quite a good idea. I mean, you know, we're from the 70s where people did drink and drive when we were kids. Well, it wasn't illegal then, was it? I suppose, it, uh, I, no, the limits were higher, weren't they, than they are today. That's yeah, what people could drink quite a lot and still drive, mm, mm. which, you know, is outrageous if you think about it. Yeah. But there you go. It was a different time, totally different time. I mean, one of our friends, they have um, the French... Um, French-Canadian, in fact, but um, they have all their presents or gave all their presents and received all their presents on Christmas Eve, didn't they? Which, of course, is the eve of St. Nicholas. Well, that's what they do in France. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think there's there's quite a lot that do. But anyway, we just wanted to bring up those traditions around Christmas. Ours was really just going for a walk. A walk. Yeah, going for a walk we after went the for a walk. after the the turkey meal. We would go for a walk. Nah, we didn't do that. We had to trawl around different families, and you know, one set of grandparents, then another set of grandparents, and then do the whole thing again on Boxing Day. It you to be honest, it used to make me feel really tired and sick mm. as a child. I didn't feel great about having to do it all the only good thing about it was presence mm. that's what motivated you as a child which is really sad yeah really but anyway let's move on from christmas i'm done with christmas now <laughs> really i wanted to talk a little bit about climate change just briefly and something that stuck out at me this week in the news because they were talking about um, the fact that the UN have said there is absolutely no hope in achieving those climate change targets unless immediate action is taken. Mm. And I'm, it really astounds me, and I don't want to talk about this too much because I don't want it to get all political, but it really astounds me how 
the government in this country in particular is not taking quick action on various things. You know, where are the public information films? Where is the advice to the public at large? They know other people will do that. Yeah, they know other people will pick it up. But and... therein lies the mistake. Mm. Because it needs to be a figure, in inverted commas, of authority mm. that says that to the people. But the, they don't have... They've cut the budgets for public information films, so there's there's hardly any. So all those public information films that we had as a kid... They they just don't exist anymore, really. But you see, I think they had such an impact on you. They did. As a child. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it, mind you, it's not the children that we need to reach, is it really? It's the adults. Yeah, I, I, I think it is the adults. I, I think the children are, well, children and, young, and youths and young adults are aware of the situation and becoming increasingly aware of the situation it's not being aware that we need to take action on. It's actually the action that we need to take in stopping doing what we're doing. We need to mitigate what we're doing. I mean, the interesting thing is there has been such a huge campaign on plastics. And, of course, it's really important to cut down the, the use, particularly of, of single-use plastics. That is is really really important but there are many things that are higher on the scale of ability to mitigate climate change than cutting down on single-use plastics including the the one which many people find quite difficult which is reducing the amount of meat that they eat um, that is one of the top ways of of mitigating climate change well i think also it you know it's all combined with emissions. Mm. Because if we don't have any air that we can breathe... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like we've got to stop emissions and um, it has to happen. No, I think that, that 8%, what was the figure? I can't remember what it was, but it, oh, I don't know. I'm useless at things like that. The minute I see a percentage, I just go blank. But... I think this is the thing that... What it boils down to, sorry, Paul, to cut across you, but what it boils down to is there is not enough action being taken by any of the governments. The target set for 2030 or whatever it is, is way too far ahead. It's got to be, you know, brought to 2025 straight away. You know, they've got to start doing it now and they've got to spend whatever they can now. And if need be, put taxes up. Really? I mean, looking at the party manifestos that are out, there's only one or two parties, well, particularly the Greens, who are are looking at much closer targets than um, all of the other parties, which are quite happy to look at 20, 30, 40 and 50 on cutting down emissions and um, other waste products, where the, the Greens are really pushing it for it to be much, much closer than that. But it, it is a it is a challenge. It's a it's difficult to get people to to change their ways. Um, but those ways do have to change. I was talking to somebody yesterday who was telling me that they're really worried about their their three children that they have, and they're worried that they're going to be growing up growing up in a world of pollution. Um, 
and then this person got in their big four by four and and drove off and I thought well you know there's there's one way that you could reduce emissions and the carbon footprint of your family um but it, it takes what's it people say it's not everyone doing it's not people doing everything perfectly that counts it's billions of people doing things imperfectly that count in other words people making small changes are better than a few people making big changes anyway we're not going to labor the point but you know it just stuck out this week that they were saying you know you've got to do something now and people aren't you know those governments will be the ones that um, will be questioning themselves in a few years' time. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? That's going to happen. Anyway, let's move on to better, bigger and better things and more positive things. Next week, for podcast number six, we've got a guest <laughs> direct from Hollywood. Not really. <laughs> We've got a guest who's going to be featuring. Can you guess who it's going to be? I'm sure they can't. I'm sure you can't. You'll have to try. Leave a comment. Let us know who you think it might be. They're terribly, terribly famous. Terribly famous. Very big in entertainment. What? What were you going to say? I was just saying I can't believe that the next podcast is going to be podcast number six because... Well, that's how it goes. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> no. uh -huh. But I just can't believe it. We're already sort of halfway through podcast number five and the next one is six. Well, know? and I think we're doing quite a lot at the moment on social media in general. So, I mean, you know, let's talk a little bit about that now because we are... If you didn't already know, we're on YouTube, we're on Instagram, Twitter, we've got a blog, Paul's got a blog, a Guernsey Gardener in London, which is on our website and also gets shared on Facebook and Planet Vegetaria, which is a Facebook group by Richard and Paul. That's Richard and Paul since 2017. That's contractual. And um, this week, you were talking about a visitor that we had in the house, weren't you, Paul? Oh, yeah. I was finalising my blog about cooking the Christmas puddings and uh, the emotions that is stirred up for that. And suddenly there was a robin on my knee, which I suppose might not sound quite too extraordinary. But the fact that I was sitting in our front room um, was the thing that made it quite special. And we had a back window open and I think it had hopped in the back window, flown around the downstairs a bit and then heard me thinking to myself in the front room and came and said hello. So obviously you had to get it out of the house. Flew around and did a few turds as well. <laughs> you found a couple the other day, I found a couple of little dried robin poos. Mm. Yes, disgusting. I found um, one dirty in the bird. sink. Dirty birdie. Dirty birdie. I found one in the sink, which is why I think it came in the back window. Um, and it must be the one that's been pecking at our French windows. And it just noticed the kitchen window slightly ajar and thought, well, OK, that's the opportunity to go in. But there are all sorts of um, 
connotations, aren't there? If you are superstitious, yes. I mean, you know, people used to think, "Oh, a robin in the house means a death in the family." Well, there's going to be deaths in the family anyway.、Mm-hmm. You know, coincidence. If that happens, you know, that's the thing is with superstitions is I think they're really dangerous things. Dangerous, yeah, especially in terms of mental health, right? Because you can link everything to a sign, can't you? Yes, you can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a sign of this. This is a sign of that, and actually, you could drive yourself insane、mm. explaining things away in that way, because when you come to not be able to explain something away, you're lost.、Mm. So you know. Shit happens in the world. I don't believe in those things, but if I did, that would definitely be a reincarnation of one of the cats、mm. trying to get back in the house.、Mm. Definitely, you're not coming in, Robin, because you poo everywhere. That's the problem <laughs> with birds. Yeah, they poo everywhere. That's why you don't have them flying around the house. That's right. I mean, we'd all love to think of beautiful birds flying around. Oh, lovely! Oh, there was、um, a poo in. One of our saucepans wasn't there.、Oh, I think. I think. Just、uh, tell everybody <laughs> there was a poop in a saucepan, Paul. Unfortunately, it was a clean saucepan that I I just left on the side, and then when I came to use it, I I looked inside it, and there was a there was a poop, and obviously cleaned the poop out and disinfected it. I hope. With boiling water.、Oh, I don't know. I just thought、oh, it would add、disgusting. to the flavours.、Uh, don't, don't, because I'll vomit. <laughs> I will vomit. No, it was well cleaned. That's and vile. It, it did actually go through the dishwasher. Dirty, dirty birdie.、Yeah. Oh, but he—he he was such a cutie, though. He really、yeah. was. So my my latest blog, Richardandpaul dot com forward slash blog. Is about that experience of of being in the front room and having a robin land on me. Go and read it now.、Mm. Not now. Finish finish listening to this first, obviously. Yes. yes. And then have a little look. Why not? And、your、leave life, a comment. Your life will be enriched. That's the thing about our channels. They enrich people's lives, and also increase populations too. How do they increase population? Well, we've got fourteen point two million、oh, subscribers in New Zealand alone, and New Zealand has only got four point four point eight million、something. people. Yeah. So yeah. amazing! That's the miracle of Richard and Paul. <laughs>、um, so yeah, you know, do check us out on all those platforms. Our Facebook group, Planet Vegetarian. You don't need to be a vegetarian to join. No, you can join. It's about the planet. It's about food. It's about having fun and being nice and kind、mm. to each other.、Mm. Really. And do remember, if you're going to join, if you're going to、um, ask to join, we do check out people's profiles before we do anything. So if you have a bare Facebook profile—I don't mean a naked Facebook profile—but if there's nothing on it, then、um, yeah, we may ask you some more questions or may not join.、Mm. Well, they've got to answer questions anyway. We do occasionally let people in who haven't answered the questions if they've got an active profile with lots of lovely pictures of、yeah. nice things. Yeah, positive, like positive animals and food and lovely things. 
if you've got some weirdo crap pictures on your profile and you're asking to join and you haven't answered the questions, you ain't coming in, honey. No. No. Okay. Good. So there we are. And um, we're also thinking about possibly doing a Monday mail out because we have another a number of people signing up to our mailing list on richardandpool.com. So if you are signed up to that, you do get my um, an update about my blog. But we're thinking about doing a, a weekly email just highlighting the things that we've done that week, i.e. the videos, podcast, blog, that type of thing. A sort of reminder yeah. of the week's activities. Yeah. And you might have also noticed that we've resurrected Wiley Wednesday. Oh, yes. Um, so check that out on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash c forward slash richard and paul that's right so go and check that out as well instagram there's some lovely pictures on instagram at the moment go and follow us richard and paul simple so guest next week and it'll be december it will be december it'll be december which means we'll be thinking about the new year. And one of the things we were questioning was, it's going to be 2020. And it's going to be known as the 20s again. Isn't it? Yeah. And we were thinking about the 1920s, weren't we? We, we were. just having a think about it, having a muse over it. Well, we were wondering whether... Because obviously we weren't alive then. No. No, no. we were born in the 60s. Okay, we're not that old. And what was it? It was the Roaring Twenties, wasn't it? The Roaring Twenties. So I wonder what 2020s will be. Will or will be known as. Mm. Mm, interesting. What are your ideas? I'm, well, I've got a few thoughts, actually, the, but they're not very positive. I don't think the Roaring Twenties was coined until quite a while after, though. I don't think it was you know, in the 1920s that it was. Well, it was an interesting time, wasn't it? Because it was between two world wars. It was. There was prohibition in the States. Yeah. So prohibition was the the ban of alcohol, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you couldn't drink. So there were secret drinking places. What were they called? What was the word? Speakeasies? Speakeasies. Was it? Yeah. Um, fashion changed, became very, in inverted commas, modern looking. Um, I mean, isn't, isn't that an interesting concept, though? What is modern? Because mm, mm. if you're living in the time, everything you see which is considered forward thinking is modern, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas looking back, it's quickly old fashioned. Yeah, I Do you think know it, what I mean? I think it is. It's, an interesting, it's interesting to think of how we can only have our perspective on the time that we live in. Oh, yeah, we can. You know, and how people try to predict what the future might be like and always get it horribly wrong. But what, what I did do some research um on the 1920s and what I found interesting was that in the late 1800s and the early 1900s there was 15% abject poverty 
um, or subsistence poverty, as it was then called. And then we had the First World War, 1914 to 1918. But then in the 20s and early 30s, the amount of um regeneration of of society was so significant that the level of subsistence poverty fell to only 4% by the mid 19 uh, mid yeah 1920s and then to um 2 or 3% in the early 1930s so i'd obviously always thought about the Roaring Twenties being a time where the rich just enjoyed everything. And I, I think they they definitely did. But it seemed to be a time in the research that I've done where there was also a lot of um, social benefit coming through to the general populace. And I'm sort of trying to picture what the 2020s will be like. So 100 years later, and just looking at the poverty levels that we have in the UK at the moment, where 34% of children are said to live in poverty, it's a, it's a stark revelation that 100 years on, we seem to be in a socially worse position than we were 100 years ago. Even though we may all have better housing and better transport and better jobs, um, it's really interesting to think that maybe things haven't moved on apart from te technologically as much as I originally thought they may have done. And I'm going to be doing quite a bit of reading over the, the sort of next month leading up to Christmas to see exactly what figures relate to what and how different terms have been used because the term subsistence poverty is not used anymore. Well, I think it's interesting as well, because I think in the late 1800s, you had several attempts to deal with poverty in different ways. I mean, you had the poor law, didn't you? Mm. And that was either dealing with poor people in the workhouse or giving them handouts. Mm. Um, and I think there was a lot of stigma there around was. handouts so people opted for the workhouse which was obviously not a great channel so there's always been this problem of how to deal with disadvantaged people in society and it's always about money mm, mm. and i i fail to see why it's such a bloody problem frankly you know mm. I, I do fail to see because you know given if you give people who are disadvantaged the opportunity to flourish, they will do. You know, yes, there are people with issues around drugs and alcohol, um, but the right kind of help and the right kind of patience and persistence, a lot of difference can be made, you know? And I think they fail to see this. They go, oh, we're not going to throw money at that. It's a waste of time. Are you talking about government money? Yeah. Right, okay. Of course. I, I think... But of course, a lot of the time, it wasn't governments, was it, that funded no, those things? No, that's it what was, I was going to say. It was it philanthropists was philan and, exactly. and people who actually cared about their workers. Which, in turn, drives social change. Yeah. 
And I think that is part of the issue that we have now. And mm. I think a number of people who follow us will, will know, I, I believe that hoarding money in bank accounts is, is, um, is a mental illness. Um, but I, it, it still goes on. And we don't have enough people who are wealthy that are looking at society and saying, right, instead of the money I have accumulating and just sitting in my bank account, I'm going to use it for social good. Yes, certainly there are some people who are doing that, but we we just do not have enough people doing that. And I'm not quite sure why. Mm. Maybe one day we will. Know anyway, why. anyway, that's our little political bit you know we're not going to get don't worry we're not going to spend our time being political but occasionally you've got to say things yeah yeah you know even if they are not said particularly clearly on my heart you know on my behalf i'm not very good at um well, remembering figures and things like that i'm terrible at that and dates i'm terrible at remembering dates um, I used to really struggle with that when I did sociology, remembering the dates of the poor law and all of that. But anyway, the one thing we wanted to mention on another subject is we wanted to give a little shout out to a little YouTube channel who follow us and we follow them, uh, Gone Potty Gardening. want to mention them. Hi, Jackie and Helen. Hope you're okay. Um, if you've not subscribed to their channel... Go over and check it out. You might enjoy it. There we go. Well, they gave us a lovely shout-out as well. Did. They did. It was absolutely lovely, and we're really grateful. And a couple of people came over to us as a result, which is lovely, on YouTube, that is. So thank you very much for that. We really appreciate it. And again, they do quite a mix of different things, growing, allotmenteering, cookery, yeah, chat. Exactly. So there you go. So I think we're we're at the end now of this one. Yeah, we're nearly an hour, I think. Already? Bad. I know, it went in a flash, didn't it? We entertained you from start to finish. <laughs> and all for free. And it's now dark, isn't it? It's very dark. It's very, very dark. But it's winter. Mm. And we like that. Mm. So that's it. Remember, we've got a special guest next week. Um, we're not going to tell you who it is. You've got to guess and leave a comment. And um, that'll be fun. Fun, fun, fun. So thank you very much for listening to podcast number five. And uh, we shall, we shall, blah, 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 getting my words mixed up. We shall see you very soon. And you'll certainly, well, you'll see us and hear us very soon. Mm. Thank you. Bloody thank you. We Say really that again. Appreciate it. Thank you, bloody thank you. There's quite a few people picking that up now on Planet I'm, Vegetarians. I'm thinking, it doesn't make me smile. I'm thinking of having some mugs done with thank you, bloody thank you on them, Richard and Paul. What a good idea. Mm, I'll have to look into that. Would it have our mugs on them as well? No. No. No, who wants a photo of us on a mug? No, fair enough. I don't enough. think so. Fair enough. Really? <laughs> So that's it. Thank you very much. And we will, um, well, you'll see us very soon. And we'll see you, no doubt, on Facebook and Planet Vegetaria. Thank you. Bloody uh, thank you. And we'll be back next week. We will, of course. With podcast number six. Thank you. 
Take care. Bye for now. Bye.